There was a, a missionary, he was a pioneer missionary in China uh, during the 1800s. His name was J. Hudson Taylor. He wrote this one. So he goes, there are three stages in any gr- great work attempted for God. Impossible, difficult, done. Today, when it comes to the building of this structure, we say done. But it wasn't long ago that um, this building, it seemed impossible. The dream of, of, of our own space seemed uh, impossible. I went through my emails. I had um, 65 pages of emails just for the building, and I think there was 50 emails on each page. So it was a lot of emails, and the first one I sent was on October 21st, 2014, to Paul Johnson, our senior pastor, asking about the governing policies for a site getting into a a building. Nine months later, and one of the things you'll see is that there were long gaps of time and period in between uh, steps, these steps happening toward this moment. Nine months later, I sent an email, our first email to the land search team on July 21st, 2015. Our first meeting was October, uh, August 19th, 2015, and we met with Paul Johnson, and we basically asked him, what do we do? He had been part of a number of church plants, first builds, and he said, this is what you do. You meet with the government leaders, then you find land. You're going to need probably 10 to 40 acres, but you've got to make sure it's good land. You've got to make sure it's buildable land. You've got to make sure that it's, you know, look where your people are coming from. Make sure it, you know, it meets their needs, but also, you know, you can't be too far out And you need to make sure that the infrastructure of the land is going to work for the needs of building a church on it. Okay, easy enough. (laughs) Then what you're going to need to do, if you find a piece of property that matches that criteria, you're going to raise money. You're going to need to raise money to purchase the land while at the same time still doing ministry and, you know, hoping that people give to make that happen as well. But you're going to need 25% down to buy land. Then when you finally do buy the land, you've got to pay it off. When you pay off the land, then you should... You know, you're going to have to raise a million dollars and then find a contractor, an architect. Then you get a build and move in. It's that easy. <laughs> and at the end of that meeting, I, look at, I have this list. It's still in my phone. And I go, are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, seven years ago, after that meeting, I said, this is impossible. There's no way this small little church plant can do all of that. But we started together, and we, met, we started at the top of the list, and we met with the city. And uh, I will never forget, we were in the conference room at the, up, at, up at the city hall, and there was a big map on the wall, and we told them that we wanted to build, we wanted sort of their partnership in that, and they said, great, we'd love to see you guys build a church. In fact, we know a property that would be perfect for a church, because look at this, the 5, 15, 20, 30-year expansion is happening out west on County Road 30, and there's a piece of property that Lennar owns that it's not for sale. At one point it was, but you know, you should reach out to them. It's on the corner of County Road 30 and Davidson. And so... On December 21st, 2017, two years later, we had reached out to Lennar and back and forth and back and forth. I sent an email to a guy named Joe at Lennar asking if they would reconsider an offer we had made on the land. And my first, I had sent it four days before Christmas, hoping that might work. (laughs) I said, Merry Christmas, Joe, to you and your family. And I explained to him that 
their price was too high and that we were a church, that we functioned very different than a business, and we hoped that they would reconsider. On January 12th, see, this is how long these guys take to respond. He wrote a simple email. No. <laughs> Happy New Year. No. And things went silent. And again, we were met with the impossible. But then Derek Swedberg, the chair of our building team, later that spring, boarded a flight to Fort Myers, and God showed up in the midst of the impossible. And I am not going to share the story. I'm going to let Derek do it. <clears throat> you know, this is the sort of moment that makes you realize you need to write things down. I've been uh, off and on here since my last food coup. Scratching my head about how that whole thing actually went down. And I know I was sitting in the terminal waiting for my flight to Fort Myers. And I believe what happened was I was sitting, it was crowded. And there was like one seat on one side of me and one seat on another side of me. And this old guy walked up and looked and realized there wasn't a spot for him and his wife. And then started walking away and I looked at his wife and said, I can slide over if you guys want to sit here. And he had kind of made up his mind already, like he was just going to go stand around. And she's like, oh no, let's sit down. So I slid over and they, we sat right next to each other. And, you know, he looked like he might have some money, so I had to talk to him. But uh, started chatting and he said, he somehow asked me where I was from. And I said, Delano. He said, oh, I'm working on a deal out there right now. I said, what kind of deal? He said, oh, it's a land deal. It's actually with a church. I said, are you Lenar? And he looked at me and said, are you the church? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how it went down. And then anyways, we just started talking. And I believe what happened in that few minutes was that we became real to him like we were people and a and something not just you know the other side of an email correspondence if you will and we talked back and forth about some things and all I remember was at the end he just he looked at me and and said we're gonna make the, we're gonna make a deal here we're gonna we're gonna make this happen and yeah sure enough when we got back it uh we came together on on that price and then if you remember they gave us a bunch of added services lenar did like lenar with their in-house like mapping survey engineering team did a bunch of things for us that they wouldn't typically do for somebody that they were selling to in order to save us some cost as sort of a free consultant and ended up making the the price work. So it was a win-win. It was a win for them, it was a win for us, and it was a win for the city. That's what I remember. I don't know if there was other details in there that uh, I do remember thinking it was going to be hard to come. It was, we just, they didn't seem reasonable, you know, like when we were trying to make the deal and then um that that moment in the airport was what like 
unlodged it. So it was a very cool story, but I don't remember if there was any other, like, aha details in there or not. Do you remember anything else? <laughs> I remember I was out of town and I got a phone call from Derek and uh, he told me that story and I couldn't believe it. And I go, you know, that's not a coincidence. You don't get the guy that you need to talk to who randomly sits next to you on a plane. Like that's God stepping into the impossible and moving and doing something incredible. It was uh, July 20th, just a few months later, that we signed a purchase agreement on this land. And that's just one story amongst a number of stories of God doing the impossible, of making this moment happen. And look, when we say God does impossible stuff or God can do the impossible, look, this isn't just Christian hyperbole. This is not exaggeration. This isn't us just wishfully thinking that this is true about God, that he does the impossible, that he can do the impossible. In fact, God throughout scripture says it about himself. It's not something we made up or the church fathers made up about God. God himself declares that he does the impossible. When he shows up to, to a young teenage girl and says, you are going to give birth to the Son of God, that you will conceive, the first thing Mary does is she goes, mechanically, I don't know how this works. And the angel says to her in response to the impossible, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Later, Jesus tells a story about a rich young ruler. And he instructs, the, he instructs his disciples on the difficulties that exist for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are like, what? You know, rich people, they have access to all these resources that opens up all these doors. If a rich person can't get into heaven, who can get into heaven? That's how they heard that. And Jesus responds to them in describing this when they ask, who then can be saved? Jesus reassures them and says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We have God himself sort of doctrinally saying, like putting out a statement about himself. This is not interpretation. This is not us looking at a text and trying to interpret it and then saying this is true about God. This is God himself making this doctrinal statement about, him, about himself and the, his character saying, look, I do impossible things. I can do the things that you look and you see. There's no way that could happen. There's no way this could change in my life. There's no way we could you know, accomplish this. There's no way we can work our way through that list and get ourselves into a building. And God goes, impossible isn't in my vocabulary. I can do all things. And he goes, look, if you don't believe me, just look back. When the Israelites stood at the edge of the Red Sea and Pharaoh and all his armies were coming up behind them, what? Impossible. What's God do? He moves in the impossible. He spreads the sea. When Daniel was thrown into a den of lions, your chances of survival are zero. Impossible. 
Daniel walks out. When a boy named David stood up to a giant named Goliath, impossible odds, David wins. When Jonah is swallowed by a whale, how do you get out of a whale? God does the impossible. When a young teenage girl becomes pregnant with the Son of God, God does the impossible. When a man named Lazarus lay dead in a tomb, Jesus calls him out. From death to life, impossible. When 5,000 people are hungry and there's only five loaves of bread and two fish, impossible to meet their need. Yet Jesus does. What hope is there for a person who's blind since birth or a man who is lame since birth for them to see one day or to get up off their mat and walk? Impossible. But Jesus gives sight. Jesus gives steps. When Jesus lay dead in a tomb himself for three days and everyone gave up on the dream and the mission and the movement, he walked out. When Paul and Silas lay chained in a prison, impossible to escape, God made a way in their impossible. When a small church in Delano needed a few acres to build a building on, and Lennar tried to push us around and negotiate and go silent, God said, in our impossible, nope. God is in the business of making the impossible possible. So this morning I ask you, what is your impossible? What are the things in your life or the people in your life, the relationships in your life, whatever? What, what, what do you look at and go, impossible? Maybe you've given up. Maybe you've, you've, you've prayed for months or years or decades and it just seems like the impossible is just that. It's impossible. Obviously, God doesn't care, or God said no, or I don't even know if there is a God now. Or you look at people in your life, and maybe you've been so hurt, or you're so far from them, or they seem so far from God, you go, impossible for restoration, impossible for friendship, impossible for that person to come into relationship. What is your impossible this morning? What have we struggled with? What have we maybe even given up on? To you, I say, with God, nothing will be impossible. We need to claim that. You know, when I think about believing that nothing is impossible with God. There's two things that I think we easily struggle with. One is we doubt God can or will do it. We just, we doubt, like, can God even do that? Or does he do that anymore? Or would he do it for me? And that doubt creeps in and that fear creeps in. And honestly, what, what a lot of times I do, I just go, all right, I'm gonna go try to make it happen. Or I'm gonna give up on it. I'm either, if I can make it happen, I'm going to work really hard to see if I can make it happen, or I give up and I move on. Because I don't know if God can do it. I don't know if God will do it. 
when Thomas could not believe that Jesus had been resurrected. And eyewitnesses were saying to him, no, we saw him. He couldn't believe it. He doubted. And Jesus walks in, looks Thomas in the eyes, and he says to him, stop doubting and believe, Thomas. And I know it's easier said than done, but we need to stop doubting and believe that God is big enough for our impossible. And that requires faith. And that leads me to the second thing that's difficult. We struggle waiting for God to do it. Very rarely in my life is my timeline in sync with God's timeline. In fact, if you would have told me that in 2014 when I sent that first email that it would be 2022 before we got in the building, I probably would have quit. Um, I mean, I was at Starbucks the other day and there was seven or eight cars line. I go, are you kidding me? Amazon's quicker than this. I mean, th this is now the world we live in. Fast, quick, convenient. But it's not always the process of God. And I wonder how often we give up too early. What if we would have given up when Paul Johnson gave us that list and go, it's too hard. There's no way we could do that. Find the money, find the land, do all this. What if we gave up when Lennar kept kind of trying to, you know, throw out big numbers, boss us around, or there were long gaps and periods of just silence? What if we gave up when the steel trusses in this, you know, was going to be delayed we said, no, we're going to pray and fast. God knew in his infinite wisdom that this time, this moment was the right time. And even though from 2014 to this moment, there were seasons where, where we, I, we struggled, we wondered, we doubted, we were sick of waiting, God knew what he was doing. And doesn't it make this moment so much sweeter being we had to wait for it. I don't know about you, but it makes it so much more enjoyable knowing that we waited on God for this moment because we trusted that this was the best time. So when it comes to the impossible in our lives, you might not get the possible right away. It might take months. It might take years. It could take decades. And that's where faith is required to keep going and not giving up. I love this quote. It says, uh, Mary McLeod Bethune said it, without faith, nothing is possible. With faith, nothing is impossible. Jesus himself said, look, if you have a faith of a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain over there to move and it will listen. You don't need a lot of it. It's not even the depth or the size of your faith. You just need some of it. And you need the courage and the boldness not to give up, especially when it is hard. So stop doubting and believe that God can do the impossible in your life. Have faith. Put your faith in what he says about himself. I didn't say it. The disciples, you know, they didn't, it wasn't something they said or anybody between them and me. Jesus, God said it about himself. So stop doubting and believe that God can do the impossible in your life and have faith 
that he can do it and have faith that it's worth waiting for, that it's worth not giving up. Is this moment not worth it? So worth it. So worth it. Give God your impossible this morning. Tell him. Tell him how you feel about it. Tell him it's hard. Tell him, I don't even believe God. I don't know if I can believe you can do it. He can handle your honesty. But he might come back and say, you know what, Aaron? Stop doubting and believe. Have faith. Trust me. Don't give up. As the band comes up, I want to finish just with this. And I want to speak to the church, all of us. That quote that uh, I started with, there are three stages in any great, great work attempted for God. Impossible, difficult, and done. The building's done. But we aren't. The church isn't. We aren't done. We want to see God do the impossible. We want to see God continue to do the impossible. And that is reaching people with the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. So we give thanks for this project, this structure that's done. But this is no finish line. It's time for us to continue to seek the impossible. And there will be difficulties, and there will be a day, and I hope we all get to hear that, well done, good and faithful servant. Then we're done. But we're not done. We're just starting. Stand with me, and I'm going to read Paul's prayer to the church in Ephesus as we close. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work with us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.